TED Audio Collective. Hi, everyone. I have something different today. This is an episode from Fixable, another podcast in the TED Audio Collective. In each episode, business leaders Ann Morris and Francis Fry take calls from listeners about particularly difficult work problems, and they fix them. They're all about moving fast and fixing things, and believe that they can get to the bottom of almost any conundrum in just one session. So I think you'll really enjoy. To hear more, you can find Fixable wherever you're listening to this podcast. I am super excited about the topic of this conversation, which is very close to our heart and and something we're thinking about a lot right now, which is this idea of speed and trust or speed and taking care of people somehow being at tension with each other. Yeah, I... If, if we had magic dust, we would sprinkle it on the world and let them know that you can move even faster than you do now, and you can do it in a way that doesn't break anything. Let's get into it. I'm Ann Morris. I'm a company builder and leadership coach. And I'm Frances Fry. I'm a professor at the Harvard Business School. And this is Fixable from the TED Audio Collective. On this show, we believe that meaningful change happens quickly. Anything is fixable. And solutions are often just a single conversation away. Today we have Teresa. She's high up in strategy at a tech startup. She's had a great run at startups, but they're typically later stage than the company where she's working now. And things are moving fast. So we're going to find out what's going on and see if we can be helpful. I'm Teresa. My background is working in tech companies relatively large. And I joined a startup three years ago. That moves really, really fast. I love it. It has a lot of benefits, but I also have some pieces that I struggle with that I would love some advice on. Oh, I love that. It's how do we increase our metabolic rate, like just to to catch up with the environment, and how do we make sure that we don't get into the um, danger zone? Oh, yeah, this is super common tension, not just in startups. How do we move fast? and solve problems at an accelerated pace, but how do we avoid some of the pitfalls of speed? How do we make sure that employees are taken care of, customers are taken care of, we're really setting everybody up uh, to succeed in those environments? So I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Support for TED Business comes from Odoo. What's Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all in one easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated, helping you get things done faster 
and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedbusiness. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash tedbusiness. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customize to better fit your investing goals. All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, Teresa, welcome to Fixable. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk to you today. So why don't we start with, tell us a little bit about the work that you do. Yeah. So I work at a startup, a business business part, a startup in the food space. And as you know, in startups, our roles are very diverse. And I actually started as the head of operations, and then I became the head of sales, and I'm currently the head of strategy. <laughs> I love startups. <laughs> <laughs> for exactly that reason. And what emotions do you feel most frequently in this job right now? It's definitely a roller coaster. <laughs> the highs are high, the lows are low. I would say I feel a responsibility, if you can call that an emotion, constantly. Uh, because I feel it is my job to do the best that I can for the future of our teams and our customers. I feel immense joy whenever we have successes, and successes can be so many things. It can be the numbers, or growth looking good. It can be a customer that is really happy with something that we service them with, or it can be just a teammate growing and learning. So responsibility, joy, surprise, if that's one that I can name too. <laughs> um, it's incredible whenever we look three months back, how far we go every three months. Yeah. I think that's what one of the things that's so addictive about being part of young companies <laughs> is you get to do my favorite thing, which is hard things with a group of people that you adore. Um, so w- what do you not love about the work right now? What I don't love, I don't know if it's about the work or if it's, if it's something about myself, but it's, I guess, how I handle the work, is being able to balance moving fast and planning, thinking things through. Having worked at bigger companies before, so through my career, I've been going smaller and smaller and smaller. And as small as I go smaller and smaller and smaller, I work with faster and faster and faster <laughs> decision makers and people and executors. And that's been a very a great lesson for me. And I have become faster as well myself. However, when I look back at decisions or executions or choices that I made over the last week, even last day, I think, ooh, maybe I should have thought that one a little bit more through. And 
sometimes it happens the reverse, which is, oh my God, everybody's moving so fast around me. I need to speed it up. I can't be the blocker. Right. <laughs> and so we have these two forces pushing my my planning analytical self that wants to do that extra analysis or sit and do a more complex project plan or just think something through for an hour by myself. And the pressure of not slowing down the team and moving as fast as others do because we need to. If we don't make fast decisions, we will not survive. Super common. Yeah. yeah. And I would say at two levels. One is being able to look back and have a framework to say, okay, that one should have been slow, that one should have been fast. But then also the pressure of making the right decision in the moment. Sometimes I look back, I'm like, ah, that should have obviously been a better thought through. But in the moment, I'm trying to do like a thousand things a day and I jump too fast sometimes. Can you share an example of when this tension was most acute for you in the last six months? Uh, I would say all departments are stretched, all departments need headcount, and sometimes we make uh, reorg decisions without considering, like, oh, have we gone through the 10 steps that would make everybody at the company feel comfortable about the decision, even if it's the right allocation of people? There are things that you could do to make sure that you're taking other people on the journey. I guess that's what, what I sacrifice a lot often, which is, are, am I taking different stakeholders on the journey that they need to be taken upon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say, if I were to build a framework, any people-related decision is an obvious one that I should spend more time on. I think that's the only obvious one that I could pick. Like, people decisions should be slower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hire slow, fire fast. <laughs> Can I ask you a question about the stakeholder point? Because I, I, I think that's a powerful word in this example. When you think about the decisions that are being made fast in the company and the stakeholders that are paying the price for the collateral damage of those decisions, do you see any patterns? Who gets hurt when the company moves too fast? Um, customers, right? We sometimes optimize for the short run when mm-hmm. we need to count with our customers for the long run too. Got it. And how does it affect you a lot of ways. And I think the most important one is I think my decision making is under optimized mm-hmm. because I unbalance perfectly the speed, the move fast, but plan. That would be the biggest impact on me. And then I would say the second thing is because I'm trying to move fast, sometimes I move slower because I move too fast in the beginning and then I have to stop and fix and stop and communicate. Right. Stop and bring other people through the journey. Right. You have done your job. You have described it uh, beautifully. It's an absolutely generalizable situation when we're in organizations that really feel the need for speed in this regard. Um, how do you know when fast is progress and how do you know when, when you're on the frontier of fast and it feels you know, dangerous? And Francis, how common in your experience is this problem? A more common version of this problem is how to speed up an organization. So, so it's that the organization has just uh, gravity is slowing it down, and so we're helping organizations go faster. Um, so organizations are usually very far from the frontier, out of necessity in the startup, particularly the not overly funded startup, which is a beautiful place. You have to go fast out of necessity. I think this problem is incredibly common in early stage environments because of exactly what you just said, Francis. You have to move fast. Literally, the organization doesn't survive if you're not operating at speed. The money runs out. This is why it's fun, by the way, because <laughs> the stakes are really, are really real and they're really high. And 
the assumption is that we have to endure a relatively high amount of collateral damage in order to maintain that speed. And what we have found, and we've had the pleasure of helping organizations who are often cleaning up the wreckage of that choice, is that there's a false trade-off at the heart of that worldview, which is you can also move fast and fix things instead of breaking things. And the question is, how do you do it? To your question, Teresa, how do you do it in real time? And then how do you influence your colleagues to slow down when it matters and to speed up when it matters? So that's what we're going to start to play with. How does that sound? Does that sound good? Sounds great. Okay. Yeah. Can I just... Yeah, why don't you get okay. started? So, <laughs> so we have found that when we think that it's either move slow or fast, what we're assuming, and, and I find this is the wrong assumption, is that the speed breaks things. That's not what breaks things. A lack of trust breaks things. So if we have not first earned trust and we go fast, we will break things, guaranteed. But if we do earn trust first, we can go fast and we will not break things. So that people are interpreting that, oh, I have collateral damage, let me slow down. Actually, what we want is I have collateral damage, let me build trust. And so in the presence of trust, we can accelerate away. So that's where my head goes. So let me try that framework on in using the example of hiring quickly internally without opening a like you're shifting internally. You're shifting and, yeah. internally. Nobody knows what's happening. Suddenly someone's in a new job and the other people in the organization haven't been a, given a chance to even apply for the job, know it existed. So in that scenario, if I channel the other people in the organization, the problem with that decision, that's how I moved fast and broke something here, is that my trust in the organization was shaken because I now question whether this is a place where it's a meritocracy and where I'm going to be fair opportunity. Where I get a fair opportunity. And so um, my confidence in the organization, whether this is the right place for me, is shaken because it seemed to be an inside job and whoever was closest to management got the gig, not necessarily the best human for the job. And by the way, this happens even if it is the best human for the job. It was the best, yeah. In my example, it yeah. was the best human for the job, yeah. 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 <laughs> right. So we lose trust when we don't give equal access to the opportunity. Right. The reason to slow down in this is to make sure that I'm not undermining trust with everyone else in the organization. And we might have to slow down at this point because we don't have the reservoir of trust of doing it every time. So if we are thinking that our job is to make sure that the people that aren't getting the role, their seat is in the room, right? So what does this mean for them? How are they going to react? And honestly, if we just have a seat in the room for the people who are going to feel the collateral damage, just that gets us like half the way there because we're now thinking about that person. And I'm not sure it has to go entirely slow to do that. Be like, oh my gosh, all right, you know what? We have 24 hours to find out who else wants to be considered. We're going to put out a thing. It's going to have an expiration of 24 hours. We'll find out who wants to be considered. And then 24 hours later, we'll make our decision. You know, you can do it in 48 hours. You can do it in in 12 and 12 hours. Like it's it's not that it would need a big bureaucratic delay, but we're not going to have to do any of that rework uh, that you spoke about, Teresa. And that works as well with your customers, right? Indeed. In fact, that's exactly right. So you might have a seat for, how is this going to affect our most loyal customers? And then if you're wondering how, give me an hour and I'll call them. 
Like it's not, let's take a week or two. It's 60 minutes. Give me 15 minutes and I'll call them. Like you can still do it at a really rigorous pace. But now we're going to say, what would we do if we radically cared about that person? And is there something we can do relatively quickly to minimize the damage or avoid the potential harm here? Yeah. Maybe it's the simple question of who's going to be really sad. (laughs) And if we have this very short period of time, is there anything we can do in advance? And I think you can do a ton in an hour and a startling amount in a day. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. So curious um, if this is useful at all to you, and then maybe we can play with um, applying it to customers. So it's, I do something similar with email. Whenever I write an email, I imagine, what if somebody from outside our company read my email? And... That helps me and helps me make sure that I'm expressing what I want to say in the right way. Um, I like your idea and I'm trying to understand if it would always force me to, if there would be false positives. So situations where it will force me to slow down the way it was not necessary. But I think that wouldn't be the case because if the impact on the stakeholder is not too big, we can all, or if I have a, another solution to apply after, I can, for example, talk to them after, you can always move. Yeah. And to to your point, taking less than a day to do this analysis also avoids all the rework, all the customer calls, all the cleanup that you would have to do when you accidentally knocked off one of these customer segments that you, you had no intention of harming. I think accident is the key word there. Yeah. Because sometimes it will rough some feathers and that could be okay yeah. as long as it's planned. Yeah. As long as it's intentional. As long as that's yeah. a trade-off that you are walking into very clearly because as head of strategy, it makes strategic sense to piss these customers off so you can excel in serving these customers over here. Yeah. <laughs> and what I love about your example, which is I'm going to take less than a day than to run some additional analysis here, is it it's a beautiful challenge to where you started with the idea that there is this fundamental tension between speed and analytics. And there's not. Our experience is that of the wreckage, well north of 80% of the wreckage could have been avoided without sacrificing speed. Well north of 80%. So let's fix that up. And then that 20% that's going to be your strategic trade-offs or, or just things you just were unknowable, okay. Like everybody will be able to live with that. And what I'm excited about, because you are in a leadership position in this organization that I'm now desperate for <laughs> to succeed, <laughs> I'm very invested in, um, is that you also get to change the culture around decision-making at the company. Francis, what are some of your other favorite ways to buy time in processes that are moving too fast? Um, 
That's a great question. I don't know. What are some of my favorite ways to buy time? Well, I can, I can tell you where... <laughs> you my, usually have something in mind for no, me. No, I, I can tell you where my head is going <laughs> a little bit too because I can... There, there's one piece of that, that how do you influence your own behavior? Like, how do you, Teresa, slow down mm-hmm. and create some space for really looking at the full impact equation? Who wins? Who loses? Is that really the strategic choice we want to make? You have total control over that. You don't have total control over what your colleagues are doing necessarily. So there's this whole other category, which is how do you influence the decision-making speed and process of the people around you? On a scale of one to 10, how much tension or pain are you feeling around that second category? 10 being a lot. (laughs) I would say a lot, but I think part of that pain should continue there because I do think I move less fast Mm -hmm. than the people around me. So part of that tension is good. So I should, yeah. I think it's normal that I feel uncomfortable. But yes, I would like to be able to win some more of those fights for sure. Yeah. But thinking about what Francis was saying before, maybe also trust is what I need there, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I slow down some decision making and it works, then I'll get more trust to slow down decision making in the future. Yes, exactly right. And we're saying like when you want to slow down, but I, it's not that slow. It's doing an additional thing that is trust building. Yeah, and where my head was going too is, um, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with the world of improvisational theater. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> You've spent enough time in startups and no one has forced you to take an improv class. I'm <laughs> very happy for you. <laughs> I happen to love it in maybe not a shocking turn of events. I don't love it in a similarly not shocking <laughs> turn of events. Um, but one of the core ideas of improv that I think has trickled out into the larger universe is this idea of yes and thinking. For example, this is from Tina Fey's book, Bossy Pants, <laughs> one of the great moments in American literature. But your scene partner might say something like, gosh, I can't believe how hot it is in here. And you could say, no, it's not hot. I'm actually cold. And the scene dies and goes nowhere and the audience is sad. <laughs> or you could say, gosh, what did you expect? We're in hell. Or, gosh, I'm worried about what's going to happen to the wax figures. You know, like, and now you're off and running and there's a scene and there's something fun that you might deliver for the audience. So the yes part of that is, yes, it's hot. We both agree that it's hot. Accept the offer. <laughs> right? You accept what your partner's offering. The and part is now you're responding in a way that is building on it and getting you closer to where you both want to get. So the speed offer that your colleagues are making is we have to go fast. And the yes part there is yes, yes. we have to go fast. That's not changing. The and part is And can we do it in a way where we are minimizing collateral damage? And can we do it in a way where we're building trust with the stakeholders that are most important? And can we do it in a way where we don't have to be doing rework tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day? And this yes and philosophy? It's everything. It also translates to interpersonal communication. This is one of the reasons that you're there, that you're in the system that you were hired, is to help this culture of decision-making evolve to be more and more strategic, That's a fundamental part of your job. So I want to make sure that as you are doing that, that you are playing a yes and communication role in the room. I think it will make me feel much more comfortable. I won't be the fighter, right? Yes. I'll be the accelerator. I like it. Yeah. Also, 
I'm overdue a team event. And then I will blame, I will tell them, like, when they complain about the improv class and I'm going to take them in a month, I'll let them know to complain to. <laughs> you can complain to. And then, and if it goes well, never mention us. Never mention us. But you throw us right under that bus. Oh, right under If it, it yeah. goes badly. <laughs> yeah. You get to achieve your same objective, actually achieve it better without being the yes, but person. And people in startups hate the yes, but. They hate the no. That's why you are all there. Because you get to dwell in possibility. We want to be frictionless. A no is friction. Yeah. I love it. I love the framework that, that you gave me, Francis. But I think my true challenge is going to be making sure that I'm making that decision in the moment. And if I feel that I'm always going to have to fight, it's going to be really hard. I'm not necessarily, I'm a confrontationally enough person. But not, I think if I change my mindset to, I'm not the person slowing down and the person making sure that we're, running fast without blocks will make it much easier to have these discussions. Yeah. And the team will get the muscles for doing this again and again. And I think victory is when you no longer have to do it when other people are also doing it. And I'm so excited, Teresa, about that version of you that gets to be in the room now. You're not the one there to slow anybody down. Like you're there to be your most powerful, most creative collaborator in that space you're just pointing the plane in the direction that the organization wants to go. So let me ask you a question, a little quiz at the end of this, Teresa. So um, you find yourself in a position and you're not sure if you should slow down or not. How would you articulate the wisdom to know the difference? First, I'm going to think about who is this going to impact, which could be internal or external. And I'm going to think, how will they react to the situation? That can be enough. If not enough, I'm going to ask for time to actually go and find out how they would react by asking other people of their, or by asking them directly. And then I'm going to have the courage to have this conversation by not thinking of myself as a blocker, but as somebody that is removing future roadblocks. Success! <laughs> oh. I love it. How do, you, how do you feel, Teresa? Did we achieve our objective? Yeah, I feel empowered. I think I can do this. Oh, this was a genuine pleasure. Trace to get to to get to know you and then to also get to um, work through a problem together. So thank you. Thank you for trusting us. We couldn't be more excited for your success. That was beautiful. And when you think about the larger linking this conversation back to some of the themes in the work that we do in the larger world of work, where does your mind go? So I don't think you have to slow down. Like when we say you have to slow down, I actually think it's misleading. We have to, you know, use a little peripheral vision for a number of minutes. So I don't even want to classify it as slow down (laughs) because it doesn't feel like there. But when you're on the frontier of fast and you're risking collateral damage, we have like a very systematic way of how to pull off of that frontier, use a little peripheral vision, and then break through the frontier. Mm -hmm. So to me, I feel even more convinced we can move faster if we move fast and fix things than if we move fast and break things. Right. Um, That's, that's, it's so counterintuitive. It's so counterintuitive. And that was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was struck and this is where she was at the beginning, is how pervasive this worldview is that you, in order to move fast, you must break things. Yeah. Um, that that is an inherent trade-off to innovating and creating the future. And in our experience, the the leaders and organizations that are truly operating at, 
at a speed and honoring their ambition and the opportunity that they're chasing are moving fast and fixing things as they go. Yeah. They are, they're refusing to live in, inside that limitation. So when we think about moving fast and fixing things, I think we just witnessed something on a global basis, and that's our response to COVID. I mean, it typically, we will say 10 years to develop a vaccine or 20 years to develop a vaccine, and we did it in like five minutes. And we moved fast and we fixed things along the way. We got better vaccines from multiple companies. And so this, I think, is a really good benchmark for what's on the other side of moving fast and fixing things. And usually when we see things that are broken, we think, let's slow down. No, 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 no. <laughs> let's go fast and let's fix things along the way. And there were so many pivots with COVID. Yeah. So oh. I think our response to COVID is just the role model for us. And can we do it, which is what <laughs> what we think about a lot in our work, can we do it without waiting for a crisis? Can we do it That's... before our organization ends up on you know, the front page of the paper uh, having to deal with an employee rebellion? You know, we, we talk about walking into burning buildings a lot in our work, which is what we have the privilege of doing. But fire prevention is, oh. is really where our hearts and minds are. I love the COVID example, not just on the vaccine front, which I found super inspiring, but also on the, just the business model pivots, yeah. how quickly organizations figured out how to you know, deliver value remotely to their customers. I mean, even just our local grocery store, how quickly they yeah. figured out how to safely give people access to the store. And if they weren't letting them in the building, you know, you know lining them up outside in a really thoughtful way to, to get them grocery. I just, the, the speed at which the business environment responded both to the challenges and opportunities of COVID were astonishing. Astonishing. We saw some companies in 48 hours, they had pivoted. <laughs> 48 hours. And pivots usually take two years. <laughs> no. And so a meaningful change really does happen quickly. It's easier when there is a global pandemic. But to your point, how do we do that even when there's not? I don't want to wait for the next pandemic. All right, that's our show. Thank you all for being here. Thank you so much for listening. This was a pleasure. If you want to join us, we would be delighted to have you. You can email us at fixable at ted.com or call us at 234-FIXABLE. And for the numerically inclined, that's 234-349-2253. Thanks, everybody. is brought to you by the TED Audio Collective. It's hosted by me, Francis Fry, and me, Ann Morris. This episode was produced by Isabel Carter. Our team includes Isabel Carter, Constanza Gallardo, Lydia Jean Cott, Grace Rubenstein, Sarah Nix, Jimmy Gutierrez, Michelle Quint, Corey Hajim, Alejandra Salazar, Ban Ban Chang, and Roxanne Highlash. Ben Cheneau is our mix engineer. We'll be bringing you new episodes of Fixable every week. So please make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please leave us a review, particularly if you like the show. See you soon. 